Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 53rd episode of the Truth Island podcast. In life, we are always told to tell the truth. We are told that the truth will set you free, and that by just speaking our minds and saying what we know to be right and correct, the world will open up to us and applaud our courage. (sighs) However, for many of us, This has a funny way of backfiring, whether it be commenting on someone's dress or what we surmise might be going on in someone's romantic life. There are times when we just wish that we had kept our big mouths shut. Are there rules for life of when or when not we should speak up? Is it morally right to ruin someone's expensive wedding with some ugly truth? Or do we owe it to our friends to just play it cool and let the silence and lies tell the story? Joining me once again is Kenny. Kenny, if I can't keep my big mouth shut, am I destined to walk the face of the earth all alone? (laughs) Um, It would certainly seem that way. (laughs) But so, for example, my, uh, my friend was telling me a story um, actually a couple months ago about how when his sisters first began drawing that she would come to him and ask him for, you know, for his critique. And he would simply tell her, you know, it's awful. It's bad. It's, you know, and it's true. I mean, she wasn't really the best artist. She was pretty terrible. I mean, but she was just starting. So, but he, he was saying this because he regretted that he was saying that it wasn't a time for that. He was saying that it was right then and there what she needed to, she, she, he was supposed to encourage her, not, you know, not critique her in a manner, not, not, not tell her that she was bad because she knew she was bad. He knew she was bad. It was obvious that she was bad. So there is no, you know, no one's hiding, no one's hiding that from, from anyone, but it wasn't a time for that. It wasn't a time for that truth. Timing is really, really important. And this kind of reminds me of a conversation that I had with Roger, with the stand-up comedian who's only practicing their comedy for like a week, right? They're doing open mic and they obviously suck. Like if you've been doing something for a week, you are going to suck and suck really, really, really badly. And now if you're a true blue philosopher, it's like, oh, as the philosopher, it's your obligation to tell that comedian or that artist, they suck immediately. And I I remember even this one time I was like trying to speak French and somebody said, Aaron, your French really, really, really sucks. Don't even try. And I think I think the same thing happened with Spanish. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm trying to learn. And it, it, it's like, that's not the moment to be a true philosopher. I know that my Spanish is really, really, really bad. I know that my French is really, really, really bad. But at the same time, who knows what could happen in a year or what could happen in a two years. So sometimes we know something to be true, but it pays to just be silent in that moment. Yeah, I think I think that silence is often the best best answer for things. I mean, the the fact that so if someone says that that in order to be a true philosopher that you must speak the truth all the time, yeah. well, that person isn't really going to how you say. First of all, it's going to be very hard for them, very hard for them to live in this world. <laughs> yes, um, yes, it will be <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's going to be it's going to be incredibly painful for them and for the people around them. And because the the difference, the difference, speaking the truth all the time is not what makes you the philosopher. It's knowing what is true. 
yes. that makes you the philosopher. And there's a big gap between knowing and speaking mm. in that you may know what to say, but wisdom dictates that it's not the right time to say it. If, you're, if my son asks me, why is the sky blue? Well, I could easily, you know, look it up and find it and tell him, hey, this is why the sky is blue. Sure. But when, I, when I'm dealing with my son, I want, him to, I want him to be curious. I want his curiosity to drive him. So I'm not going to tell him the truth about the sky. I'm going to tell him, you go look it up. Mm, mm. You go find it. Because I don't think that me telling him that truth or that information is going to be as satisfying as him finding it out for himself. So that's a, that's a very simple situation. I know there are more complex and you know, dire situations where these things can be applied. Silence is, in fact, you know, the next best thing. Now, I love what you're saying here because I think that you can speak the truth more appropriately with wisdom. So I think wisdom is what tells you, Kenny, like, okay, I'm not going to like just talk about the sky with my son right now because you have the wisdom to know the value in allowing that to be a giant unknown. So you might be kind of lying or you might be kind of silent. Like when your son is asking you, why is the sky blue? You could speak truth at that very moment, but you have the wisdom that bestowing this truth right now upon this person is going to perhaps ruin their intellectual curiosity. And it's the same thing with the artist or, or, or the person trying to learn a second language is that okay. you could speak the truth in that moment, but now you're destroying their intellectual curiosity or you're destroying their passion to continue. Um, and I, I think that's a really critical distinction. Now, another thing that we could also look at is this idea of, let's say, you have somebody who is a comedian or someone who is an artist. What about this idea of like false praise? Like, whoa, that's so cool. Like, I, I totally see you becoming an artist. Like, because I think there's also this other end of the spectrum where you, you shouldn't be truthful right away. But at the same time, you don't want to live in a world of false praise. Yeah. I mean, I think that Oh boy, this is this is very this is very common because I think yeah. that we end up doing this quite a lot. And then when then this actually begins to fall into the category of lying. Yes. Because what you're doing is you you've 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 taken a um you've assessed the situation and you've seen that the situ that the person is actually, you know, has not met the mark. They 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 they're 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 you know, um they're subpar and you're saying, you know, is the whole thing that people often try to encourage. So they end up telling lies They say, oh, no, I think it was great. I think it was wonderful. It's the best thing since, you know, since Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Like, no, that's not, that's not a good thing either. Because first of all, it makes, it, it doesn't make you a trustworthy person. Yes. Uh, you can't, you, you're not, you're not the person to, you know, to give good advice. You're not the person to adequate, you know, adequately express what's been going on in the situation, because what you're trying to do is make sure that everybody feels good. You're trying to make sure that you um, don't look like a quote unquote bad guy. Mm. And, um, and it's unhelpful for you and it's unhelpful for the person. It's one of those places where I think there's a, there's a passage in the Bible that talks about, says, when you speak the truth to do so with love and gentleness. But often people, when, when they want to speak the truth, people think that, okay, speaking the truth is going to be harsh, so I'm going to lie because it's kinder. Yeah. Well, it doesn't really have to be that way. It takes, it, there's a way to learn how to speak the truth with kindness, you know? 
And so when you when you have a friend who is, let's just say, invites you to a play, he wrote or, you know, was an actor in, and you've watched and you see, my goodness, this guy is horrible. Like, this is a bad play. Well, and you say, okay, I don't, I don't want to tell him that, so I'm going to praise him. Well, you've, that's, that's not a good place to be. So you have to go, okay, so like, what, what do I do then? Do I, you know, do I tell him that it was just awful, it was sucky, and, you know, he should probably just you know, throw in, throw in the, throw, throw in the cloth. Throw no. in the towel. <laughs> <laughs> throw, in the, throw in the towel. Like, no. Well, you can tell him, listen, man, first of all, okay, as I sat there, mm-hmm. if you had any good things that you could say, any, any, any genuine good genuine, thing, yes. good observations that you made, make sure to make sure to say that because often we we're so easy to see the bad observations and we forget the good observations so you say okay hey this these are the parts you got right and these are the parts you didn't um but here's the thing is that you're just beginning or you know whatever it may be and i'm sure that if you keep practicing and so and and such and such a thing you'll be you know you'll you'll do fine but you don't want to you don't want to give false praise Now, this is interesting because let's actually use the example you just brought up with it's your friend's opening night or something like that. And it's, you see, I would almost feel, maybe I'm just weak. I don't know, Kenny, but I feel like in that moment, if they really did their best possible job on the opening night and it really sucked, it would be really, really hard for me to just bring in negative feedback on that, on that specific day and time like in that space and time it would be really difficult so i might actually commit the the sin or the fallacy of being like hey yes i enjoyed it it was, it was really good man and then and then i would kind of walk away and i'm, I'm wondering like because i i i'm very conflicted about this because if that person performs that show and then i say too many things that are negative it's like, well, this is this is his or her opening night right now, and I'm like, just I'm I'm putting dark thunder clouds and I'm putting shade onto something that you work tremendously hard yeah. on. Now, at some point, I do need to give that negative feedback. I'm wondering if that like opening night is even the proper form, and you may have to yeah. like quote unquote lie or or kind of enshrine yourself in silence on that particular day. But that doesn't yeah. mean that you're not going to come back to it. So I'm wondering, like, am I right in that, or am I just being weak right now? I should be that guy who's like, no, that that kind of that that, that I did not. I fell asleep. <laughs> no, it just just means you're a human being. Yes, <laughs> um, right. I think so. I I understand that because I felt that pressure too. And here's this this is I think there so there are different situations, and these these different there are many different sets of situations that kind of look like that. And I, yeah. I kind of try to react, you know, interact with them differently. So there's a friend who says, "Hey, tell me what you think about this." And I know this guy. So you don't really want me to tell you what I think about this. You want me to tell you what you what you think. I hmm. think you think think about this you just you want me to praise this you know what i mean so you don't really want the truth you know right right so it's like yeah sure it's okay like is that is that if that's what you want to hear that's it's fine he's like no no i really want to know it's like no you don't really want to know you know so there (laughs) there are people who think they want to know but they don't really want to know and then there are others who genuinely simply want to know and then you're like yeah sure this is what i think about it you know so i had this conversation with my wife recently about you know she says, when people ask you, how are you doing? I usually say, um, not bad. 
That's, that's my general answer for how are you doing? On a good day, I say not bad. On a bad day, I say not bad. That's the most neutral answer that you can possibly give, right? <laughs> but yeah, it's like, you know, as, as, so I say, she says, um, so why do you say that? So because people aren't asking me how I am. They aren't. They're not asking. They're not really asking me how no, I am. It's, it might as well be a hello, dear sir. You know, it's like, you know, they don't really care. No, they and, don't. And they're no, they don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you start telling them, then they're like, I, you know, I gotta go now, man. I, got, I, I, yeah, I gotta go. They look at that watch or whatever. It's like, geez, Louise, I was, uh, I, it was know, a rhetorical I'm, I'm, question. Or they'll pull out the, uh, you know, I got this appointment right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then it's like, we should grab, we should grab coffee sometime, and then you never get that call. <laughs> <laughs> You're sitting there at the phone waiting. You're like, oh my goodness, when is he going to? So I think that it's kind of like that. People have these, these, you know, how are you doing moments with yeah. a lot of things in life. You know, it's like, tell me what you think. They don't really mean, tell me what you think. They're saying, praise it with me. They're saying, commiserate with me. Say, um, tell me how, how I did. They're not really saying that. They're saying, you know, tell me how well I did. And so you have to read this you know you have to know the person read the situation and um that's this is my own personal personal way because i have friends that'll tell you tell you whether you know they don't care they'll tell you they'll tell you exactly what they think and it's not always flattering most of the time most of the time it's not flattering but they'll tell you and this is how they operate yet now i'm thinking with this person okay so i, I think we're both in agreement that on opening night everybody wants praise i don't care who you are everyone wants the flowers the praise what whoa that was amazing bro you know like everybody wants that in the open night because they they want the feeling of euphoria right this is all yeah. about living in a euphoric state of everyone loves me and, and i get that and i agree with you that that's probably not the right time to speak truth because you're ruining their euphoric moment that they have created for themselves yeah. however I do think that we owe it to them to eventually kind of corner them and, and bring some truth to their life. Because if we really love these people, right? Like if I, if I truly love my friend and I want him to be the best playwright or the best director that he or she could possibly be, yeah. I eventually need to be like, listen, I, I know that I said that I liked it on opening night, but here are some hurdles that we need to walk through because if you, if you're constantly just playing into the facade that everything is okay and that you're a wonderful, you know, you're a wonderful artist, you're not actually giving that person the opportunity to grow. And because the only way that you can possibly grow is with constructive feedback. And I, I think at some, at some point we do have an obligation to corner these people when the, when the time strikes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's true in that. So in a play, in a situation where it's a play, and I just saw the whole thing, say, okay, hopefully, if I see something good that I like, I say, okay, here, I enjoyed this part. And you know, um, thanks for inviting me. I don't I try not to say, at least and I, like I said, it really does depend on the person and situation. Hmm. If it's, you know, um, then next week here, um, he or she and I can grab some coffee and I can say, okay, here. So if you really want to know, here are the things that I saw and here are the improvements that I think that, you know, um, that you could make and whatever, just a, pr a proper critique, a proper um, laying out of, a, of, of my observations. Usually people can take those things one way or the other and like, oh, thank you. That's actually pretty helpful. Or I'll never speak to you again. You <laughs> <bastard."> <laughs> 
So I, I think I think it's not always yeah the opening nights after the show is not always it's not usually the best time unless of course you have this I mean there's some spectacular friendships out there spectacular um, relationships where uh, the guys are just um, they're just cerebral and they're actually good hearted and so right, they want right. they want to figure out what's going on immediately. Really, I, I, uh, I love you, man, but you suck so badly. But you suck <laughs> so much. <you> know? <laughs> Yeah, there, I don't there think I've people. ever had a friendship like that. That'd be something magical, right? <laughs> oh, you got to come down to Moscow, Idaho, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So there, there are situations where you know that, that's a, that's usually a situation where you don't want to you know say anything that night because it's you know it's a it's a big night. Everyone's having a good time. Let them have a good time. Let them do their thing, and then you can you know drop a, a ton of bricks on them later. How about this one, Kenny? I was in a discussion group once and this one lady gave me this piece of advice and she said, before you ever speak truth, always give a warning label. Like like when you meet up with this person for a cup of coffee, be like, now I, I, I do have some feedback that I want to share about your play or like there's always needs to be like a warning because you then give that friend the opportunity to kind of just eject from that. Like, no, 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 no. I, I want to live in my fantasy. I want to live in my lies. Do you agree with that, that we should kind of preface our truth with warning labels so that people can be prepared? And it does a number of things. One, it gives them the opportunity to reject truth if they're not ready to hear it. And two, they see it coming. There's something about being hit by a bus randomly, but then seeing the bus coming at you. Like, like I think I think that for some reason, when we know something negative is coming our way, we tend to swallow it a lot better than if it was just like, your, your place sucked. Like, you know, just yeah. like, just swoops you. So I'm wondering how you feel about the warning label. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. So I can understand the warning label. I'm, I'm opposed to the warning label for, sim for one simple reason. I think that when dealing with human beings, yeah, we ought to, and this is an art. It's not what is, it's just an art, right? So. We ought to be person meeting person uh, in that we don't need to warn each other about hard things coming each other's way mm. because we trust each other, because we care for each other and because we, you know, um, because we're mature. Now, if it's a kid, you know, if I'm dealing with a child. Right. I'm going to maybe give a warning label so that they know or some sort of warning so that they know to first of all, you need to know that, you know, Papa's not angry. Papa's not trying to hurt you or whatever it may be. But so, so that I could put their mind at ease. So what they hear, they know that it's coming from, you know, Papa's heart for them. But I'm not dealing with children. I'm dealing with adults. Right. And so I would hope that. And like I said, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm, I'm not I, I can understand it. I'm, I am opposed to it, but I can understand it. Because often um, our society is very feelings conscious and it's not that feelings are bad, but we've become so obsessed with making sure that everybody feels good, that we've abandoned so much of our humanity in the process. So to the point where friendships aren't really friendships, they're just how you say every friendship is just one negative word, one, un one, one hurt feeling away from deterioration. Yeah, okay. no, that's true. Yeah. These relationships are on hot lava at all times. Yeah. Now, I, I agree with you that I think that those friends that I have to use a warning label with aren't as close to me, right? Like yeah. if I truly feel like this person's my friend, 
then I don't have to use the warning label because they know that I think I think whether to use the warning label or not to lose use the warning label comes down to how much you trust each other and how much you have a, like a mutual love for one another because when you yeah. truly love somebody and I think when you love somebody and they know that you you that they love you you can say whatever and it's all going to be okay they're going to swallow the pill they're going to swallow the, the 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 bitter taste and they know it's coming out of love Maybe the warning label is good for people that are quasi friends, casual acquaintances, or yes. work, either, or maybe even work relationships where it's like, okay, we don't have this really huge pillar of love and this really huge pillar of trust between us. Therefore, in order to salvage the working relationship that we have, I have to use a warning label. And by virtue of me using the warning label, right off the bat, we're establishing that we're not as close as 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 you know as as we, yeah. as, yeah, as we would like. But if that's the if that's the only way that I can salvage this working relationship, then so be it. Yeah, I can understand. Yeah, I I think I think that's a perfectly reasonable um, uh, place for a warning label. I would go as far as to actually what I would do in this, with people that I don't know personally or I'm not intimate with would be to ask them simply saying, okay, I saw your play or I read your book. Do you mind if I, you know, give you, mm, yeah. give you some critique, you know, and um, it's not all bad. It's not all good. I don't know exactly, you know, how you feel about that, but if you, if you don't mind, I'll give it a shot. And if they say, yes, please, then I, you know, do the thing. And they say, oh, I, I actually, I would mind that. Do not give me. <laughs> <laughs> Do not give me feedback. And I said, yeah. okay, very well, that's understandable. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I can see how that it would be important for relationships that are not as close. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it's funny because even in these relationships that are not so close, I think that eight out of 10 times or nine out of 10 times, the person is is going to still say yes because one, as human beings, we have curiosity like we're like if someone says well I, I do have some negative feedback i think our natural curiosity is going to be like well i gotta know i gotta know yeah. they're, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna hate you like there's no tomorrow after that negative um feedback comes their way but yeah. i I've, I've i've like seldom meet the person that's like no 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 take your truth and be gone like you know yeah. like everyone wants <laughs> <laughs> right like <laughs> Like everyone wants to hear the truth to some extent because it's, it's, it's like we're, we're all curious cats at the end of the day. We want to see what's in the box and yeah. it, it stings afterwards. But I, I think we're all we're all likely to open it. I think so. I think you're right, because, you know, I think people people like we like when our work is being discussed. We like when our when our efforts have been mm. noticed. We we like that, you know, and so whether it's negative feedback or positive feedback it's feedback the person took time and yeah. the attention is on something we've produced if not on something we've produced something we've done or ourselves and so it's um as how does it go there's no such thing as bad press bad publicity yes yes <laughs> now one one thing that i've I, I'm I'm still working. I'm a work in progress, and as all as are all of us. One thing, <laughs> one thing I've noticed is maybe when I was younger, and maybe even a little bit today, 
is someone will give me feedback and I just, I can't help but put up maybe just a little resistance or a little bit of a rationale or a little bit of a wall. And maybe maybe that wall is justified. Maybe I, I am correct. And maybe my interpretation of that play was the right one. Who knows, right? So yeah. I can't help but put up a little bit of a fortress up. And then what's interesting is that that friend feels like crap in the moment. Like, man, I just destroyed Aaron's ego and now he hates me or whatever. Then six months to a year later, I'll actually follow that advice. And, and like, this is something that's really important about speaking the truth is that in the moment, you're going to get slapped in the face. In the moment, that person's going to put up the fortress of like, no, 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 what do you can't tell me? But then, you know, six months or a year later, you'll be like, Ah, looks like they're taking my advice all along. And I, yeah. I think that's kind of a service that we owe our loved ones and our friends is to give bitter truth and give bitter advice. Know that we're going to get punched in the face, you know, verbally speaking. Um, and they and that person may hate us temporarily, but you'd be surprised that like knowing that in a few months to a year, they're going to subconsciously internalize your advice and call it their own, right? That's what people yeah. do is that they take your advice and then a year later, they'll be like, well, I came up with this idea on my own to have the play go, <laughs> you know, like, right. And because we love these people so much, you kind of actually have to just sit back and be like, yeah, that was your idea. I'm glad you went in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's one, that's one of those moments to actually hold the truth back. Um, yeah. So right. It's interesting because, you know, Let's say you, you take a, a kid who's a friend of mine was talking to me about this a couple of days ago, um, and this is actually his example. So I'm going to borrow it. He says, you take a friend, you take a, a kid who's learning to play the guitar and um, you bring him before the greats, like, you know, Led Zeppelin, whatever, you know, Jimi Hendrix, and he's, he's there he is going to behave himself. The boy, that kid, the new kid is going to behave himself no matter right. what, no matter what they say. And every critique they give him is going to be, oh, he's going to be open to reason. He's going to be open to accepting it with joy. Even, <laughs> even if they call him a piece of shit, he's going to be like, yes, sir. I am. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Mr. I'm, Hendricks. <laughs> I'm glad you noticed, <laughs> you know, and, it, we, and the question is, why? Why is that? Why is it that, you know, Jimi Hendrix can give the advice, but his father or his sister or his friend can't? Well, it's because he respects Hendrix. Yeah. He respects Hendrix. Ah, now, yeah. Many people, we find that you know, many of our relationships don't operate on respect. We, they, they operate like a business. Hmm. So it's like a mutual transaction. Uh, I'm your friend because you, I gained certain, this, this amount of certain things from you and you gained this amount of certain things from me. And that's how a friendship is. But the problem with that, especially in male circles, is that male friendships are built on respect. And any, usually we try to build it on other things and then we find that it's kind of, you know, it gets weird, especially when we get into arguments. Yeah. Because when you argue with a person you don't respect, you're going to tear them down. You're going to, you're going to tear you're going to destroy them with your mm. words and with your actions, right? We find that it's easier to swallow that kind of um, um, critique, that kind of truth, per se, um, from people we respect um, than it is from people we do not respect. Absolutely. And this was actually something, you know, that I once told my uncle. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very defiant at work. Okay. Like I, I, you know, I've been fired multiple times and so forth. 
And my uncle once told me, well, Aaron, can you ever take criticism and feedback from people? Like that's a part of life. And if you don't do that, you're going to keep getting fired. And I said, yes, yes, if I respect that person. So I've had many bosses who I, you know, I was a teacher. So I had many bosses that were lousy teachers. Like I would come and observe them teach a class. And I was like, you're, you're a joke, man. Like you suck. And, and, and then they would come in and they would observe me and they would tell me, oh, you need to change this and that. And I'm like, I'm just thinking in the back of my head, you have no control over your classroom. And it's, a, it's, a, I walk in there, it's a complete shit show. And you're telling me what to do. And it's like, you're absolutely right, Kenny. Like, I cannot take advice from anybody, whether that advice is correct or incorrect, from anyone who I don't respect. And and, yeah. and this has gotten me into a lot of trouble in life because if I don't respect you, I don't really want to listen to you because I think internally I say to myself, you have nothing to offer me at all. Because when yeah. Jimi Hendrix gives that other musician advice and truth, that person is like, oh, this is Jimi Hendrix. They're extremely successful. Like what they're saying must be true because they themselves are successful. It's like, you wouldn't take out workout advice from an overweight guy. You just wouldn't. You wouldn't listen to an overweight guy who's telling you, yeah, man, this is how you do a real bench press. You know, because it's like, (laughs) it's like you want you, every time that you're listening to truth, you're evaluating the source of that truth. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the reasons that, you know, even if you, if you know that somebody doesn't respect you, it's going to be incredibly unhelpful to tell them the truth. Yes. This is another situation where if you know that somebody, when, when, when how does it go with your pearls before a swine? Yes. And what you're saying is going to be true and it's going to be good. Right. But the person does not see you as a good or a benefit to their life. Therefore, whatever pearls you give them is going to be trampled. When a person tramples advice, good advice that that's been given to them, especially by someone they do not respect, they will steer clear from that advice. They will steer clear from it in that they will do, they will try to stay as opposite, stay as close to the opposite. Yes. um, To the advice as possible. And that means that the very fact that you've said the truth to them and they do not respect you and they hated the advice, you've pushed them to do something completely irrational or something completely false or something completely wrong. And it's not your fault. It's not, that's not, that's on them. But these are how these are, this human beings, this is how we operate for some reason is that we, um, so not only, do we, not only do we reject the truth, but we now steer clear of that truth, at least until it's brought about by somebody else that we respect. And that's, that rarely ever happens, but yeah. No, you're opening up my, my, my eyes on this, Kenny, because you're right. What, what if that person who I don't respect is still delivering me some degree of truth? Yeah. I, I, I don't, this is something like cognitively, this is a very difficult leap for me to make because on one hand, I probably don't respect you because there's some some element about your life that's not truthful. That that's usually what I find. I find that like people who I don't respect are hypocrites. That that's yes. To, and and I think I think as human beings, the one thing that we hate more than anything else is probably hypocrites. Like you know. Yeah. So on one hand, there's something fundamentally like untruthful about this person's lifestyle that makes me hate them. 
but how do I mentally parse out the nuggets of truth from an untruthful source? Well, I think, so a friend of mine, um, his father gave him this advice when he was a young man. He said, um, so he had gone, he, he had been somewhere, maybe a party or with friends, and somebody had come up to him and said, hey, you're a, something along the, you're a jerk, or you're, a, you're just a, you're a jerk or something like that, right? Right. And he was, he scoffed at like, yeah, whatever. Then when he went home, he told his dad, can you believe what so-and-so said? He called me a jerk. <laughs> And his father looked at him and said, is it true? Whoa, that's a, wow. He says, is it true? So it doesn't matter that he said it. And it doesn't matter that you're scoffing at it. Mm. The question is, it begs the question, is it true? Because if it is, you have to fix that. If it's not, then, you know, yeah, you have every right to scoff at it. But don't scoff until you know it's true, whether it's, whether it's true or not, you know? You just implanted a fantastic idea in my head, okay? And and here, and I think I think you just solved this riddle. I think that when somebody who you, someone who you don't respect, gives you advice, what you need to do is go to someone who you do respect and say, "Hey, this other person told me this about myself. Is it true?" Because you're you're biased, right? Like like you hate that person and you are biased and you're you're going to be incapable of deciding whether it's true or you really just hate that person and you don't want to listen to them. So anytime someone you hate or or you don't respect gives you advice, you need to then go to a third party who you do respect and put that on the kitchen counter and be like, "Hey, is this for reals?" Yeah, I think that's a brilliant way of handling it because by the very virtue of doing that, what you're doing, you're not throwing away what the the non-respected person has said. Right. Because right. just because just because he's a baker doesn't mean he doesn't know anything about guitars. You know. So if you know if if he's throwing something your way, you got to hold on to that and take it to somebody who 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 you respect, someone who does see clearly, and someone who is honest enough to you know to parse things out with and for you. Mm. and uh you guys tackle it as okay is this true i mean am i like this or is this situation like this i mean is he right is he wrong what's the matter uh the problem is that that usually rarely happens because you know we get so angry at people we get so and we we by the very virtue if, if the wrong person says the right thing it must be wrong right, you know? right so right. that's that's usually our mentality um, but I think that's a brilliant way. I think you said it. That's a brilliant way of handling handling a situation like that. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, maybe this was in the art of war. I don't remember where this was. But there's this idea that our enemies teach us a great deal about ourselves. Because when you really think about it, your friends are not looking for your weakness, right? Your friends your friends want to protect you. That's just their their nature, right? Your enemies want to find your weaknesses and they're really, really, really good at it. They're really good at being super critical at you. So I think in some way, if we see our enemies as teaching us truth about ourselves, like they actually, like enemies actually have a utility in this world. Like the, the value of an enemy is that they teach you where your blind spots are so you can work harder to cover them up. And, you know, so sometimes it's just fake shade, like sometimes it's just fake nonsense going your way. But I yeah. think that if they're a good, if they're, a, if they're a worthy adversary, if they are a good enemy, then they are finding real weaknesses in you. And you should be thankful to your enemies for, for pointing out those weaknesses so you can then correct them.
Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it sounds like something you would find in, you know, in the art of war, but I, I can't <laughs> say for sure. But I think, I think it is, I think that is a pretty wicked observation in that a worthy enemy, a worthy adversary is, is capable of teaching you a thing or two about yourself. And you're right, there is that other part about, you know, he could just be slandering you. Yes, um, that's true. But it's it's also possible that he is bringing to light things that you never knew about yourself you know things that you things that you wouldn't really um you wouldn't have otherwise addressed without his intervention in your life yes and it goes it goes back to that old saying you know keep your friends close but keep your enemies closer because, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know because those enemies might be bringing you a lot of truth and they might be bringing you a lot of value you know and, and that's it's just it's very interesting that it's if you're if you are wise enough you can actually turn all the annoying people and all the people that are trying to get you into very useful commodities, right? It's like you're, you're actually yeah. taking your antagonist and making him a, he, you know, and I, I, you know, him or her a useful commodity because you're like, ah, I see. Yeah, I, I will be mindful of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is something that I've been been slightly working on, slowly working on here and there is the philosophy of the lighthearted, and that you know, in and I think that wisdom is everywhere. Yes. I do not believe that there is a there's a single thing in this world that does that wisdom, how you say that you cannot gain wisdom from that you cannot learn from that you cannot that doesn't bring you some sorts of depending on how you go about it a lighthearted um, interact a, a lighthearted disposition okay so and I learned this years ago when I was sitting at a cafe and um, I, I was looking at the waitress or the barista. Is it the barista? Is it a female? Yeah, yeah. Is it the barista? Barista <laughs> and, makes uh, coffee, I think, right? Is that? Yeah, yeah, the barista makes coffee. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so I was looking at the barista and I believe she was talking with someone and she said something along the lines. I forget what she said. I wrote it down somewhere. But she said something along the something to a customer or I, I observed something with her interaction with the customer. And I learned something about human human nature. And here I was sitting at a coffee shop, not a unit, not a not at a university, not at some discussion group, uh, not in a church, not in just nothing. I was at a coffee shop, for goodness sakes. Yeah. And I realized wisdom is everywhere. I mean, in that, you know, we can learn a lot about life, a lot about ourselves, about a lot about humanity simply by um, the way we go about it. And I think our enemies, people who hate us, people who despise us, people who um, slander us, whatever they, that may be, even hard situations, there is always something to learn from it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wisdom can be found under every stone and under every rock. I, I think I once heard. Let's Let's move on to this idea that do you think that there's some people out there and they're real purists of the truth? And, and we know, we kind of talked about this in our last episode, they're quote unquote, the annoying philosophers, where they would be like, well, Kenny and Aaron, every time that you're, every time that you're silent, that's, that's a lie of omission. Every time that you just keep your mouth shut, you're, you're, you're lying by omission and not speaking the truth. What do you yeah. say to Mr. Annoying tight jeans philosopher? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> get some loose pants you're obviously not happy <laughs> all right no, I, I would say i would tell him listen man um it's more like i said earlier i think that a philosopher's duty is to know what is true 
and I think that a philosopher's so a, a philosopher has many duties actually I would say but I would say my personal duty as one who a person who um, by the grace of God thinks is mm-hmm. is to know the truth to see what is true and to interact with what is true um, adequately with wisdom so I think that a person who who is silent for the sake um, for the sake of wisdom is not lying a, a person silence is not excuse me silence is not lying because are you is it is it is it that silence the question now is it is it simply that silence is lying or silence when you know what is true is lying it's like no no silence silence when you know what is true is not lying especially if you say i know what's going on i know what's true but i'm choosing not to say it i'm it's a choice i'm choosing not to say it i could say it but I'm choosing not to because it's not the right time. It's not that I can't say. It's not that I won't say it. It's just I'm not going to say it now. Yes. Um, now, now this is like an idea that like just because you're silent doesn't mean that your mind has given into lies. And that's I think yeah. a critical distinction to make here is that my silence does not mean that I am endorsing this activity right now. It just means that it isn't the right place. It isn't the right time. But I'm not. I'm not succumbing to the lie. So, thinking about what I said in, in in my intro, and like, let's say the stakes are at the ultra highest level. And I think that this is a cliche, but it yeah. is a good example of it being at the highest level. You're sitting there at a wedding, and you know you see the bride and groom, and you know that one of them has been unfaithful or is engaged in something really bad. And the priest says those famous lines. If anyone here objects to these two people becoming a couple, speak now or for or forever hold your peace. What do you do in that moment? Like, I'm really wondering what is the morally correct thing to do in that moment? Because on one hand, if you speak that truth and you're that annoying guy who stands up and says, I, I saw her last night cheating on her, blah, blah, blah then you have destroyed, you have destroyed this entire wedding and you've made everyone's life completely miserable and you, you, it's expensive. People have invested money and gifts and time into making this happen. And you've now just completely destroyed that. On the other hand, Mr. Tight Jeans over there makes a point that by you staying silent, you are allowing two people who are destined to have a disastrous life together you know, become married. So this yeah. is a really good question. Well, the the problem with Mr. You know, Mr. Tight philosopher, Tight Chain philosopher, is that he's you know mixing categories. Mm. So, for example, when if I'm in a situation like that, the best thing to do is to talk to. Is, if the groom is my friend, the best thing to do is to talk to the groom in a private place, because first of all, I don't want to humiliate him. That's honor. You want to honor him. And a second is I don't want to humiliate the bride, even if she's done what she's done. It's none of my business. See, one of the things is so, you know, in, in films is that you see people, um, the guy gets up in a restaurant and goes to the next table and punches some guy out for touching the waitress the wrong way and so forth. And we all applaud that and we say, yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, sure, sure. I, I, I'm not saying it's not bad, but here, here's, here's something else. It was none of his business. It had nothing to do with him. Now, I'm not saying that he shouldn't have defended her, but I want us, I want, I want, I want the reality to be known that it was really none of his business. We have these very, you know, grandiose, heroic ideas of what to do in situations like this and how to, you know, Lone Ranger riding in and shooting up and saving the day. 
but a lot of these things, a lot of these things, there are a lot of situations like these, there are many more categories to deal with. There's honor to deal with, you know, there's, um, there's mercy, there's, um, there's wisdom, there's um, discretion, you know, you, you have to, you have to, you have to know, ex you have to know what you, what you're trying to accomplish. Now, because if you get up immediately and, you know, say, hey, I think, I think the bride, the bride is, you know, whoring herself around and she should not, you know, be allowed to marry my friend here without letting your friend know, first of all, that's kind of messed up. You sh he should have known first, you know what I mean? And if he knows and he still wants to marry her, then what's that to you? You know what I mean? What does that, what does that have to do with you? I think that's um, a remarkably good compromise, Kenny, that, you know, and I think, look, l let's just say you don't even have time to tell your friend uh, before the wedding, right? Because, you know, you don't get a chance to, I mean, with, with, I mean, that's kind of BS because with cell phones and all this other stuff, like you, you could yeah. probably get a hold of them and be you like, Hey, yeah, you can get a hold of them. And so, if you can't, divorce papers are pretty cheap. Annulment. You can actually get your whole thing annulled right then and there. I mean, there's still the cost of the wedding that's non-refundable, but nonetheless, whether it's a little before or a little after, you can get a hold of that friend. And I like what you said here about maintaining honor, right? Like you have to, in ev when every time that you speak truth, it's not to humiliate somebody and bring dishonor upon them. It's to, it's to allow them to preserve their honor and their status because in a wedding is a, is a huge status thing, right? And yeah. if you're the one that just speaks out in that church or whatever and says, hey, your wife is cheating on you and all this other stuff. You've now brought disgrace, dishonor. People are now going to think that the groom is extremely dumb. Like, oh man, you didn't see that. You didn't see that your wife was cheating on you. You're, you know, I don't trust you anymore. You're dull. Like you don't, you don't see what's going on. So there's yeah. so many other variables that go into this. And ultimately I think me and you are in agreement that if that friend just stays silent forever, that is definitely a, a sin of, like, uh, of silence or sin of omission because like that person is just saying silent forever. But they do have to be mindful of when it is that they are saving their friend's life by telling the truth. Yeah, I mean, and there's, you know, there's situations where you do good things anonymously. You don't want anybody to know it was you. It's you who did it, but if you keep silence, are you lying? Mm. I mean, it's it, then it, we have to ask the question of, okay, is it, what's the line then? You know, I mean, when Darcy um, helps Elizabeth out in, 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 um, in Pride and Prejudice secretly, I mean, and he keeps it to himself all this time. I mean, it's pretty honorable. We look at Darcy and we say, what a guy, you know what yeah. I mean? So the, there's, I think that, I actually think that honor, if there was a hierarchy of, you know, of these ideas, I would say that honor surpasses truth by one or two steps. Because an honorable man is always a truthful man, but a truthful man is not always an honorable man. That's, um, the, 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 you know, the, I, I have to actually think about what you just said, because, man it's it's tough as i think that like my you know my boys plato and socrates would be like no 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 truth is above honor so i, I actually I, I don't actually have the answer because you're you're speaking a lot of wisdom i actually have to think about that very 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 deeply if <laughs> if it, no no it, it, because like this what you're saying is true on one hand i'm wondering <sighs> I'm wondering like if this is stretched out over the long term, because like, for example, let's say you have like a CEO or you have somebody who has a very honorable position. 
how long do we allow them to have honor before you really need to speak that truth? You know, like it could be, it could be a situation where if you speak the truth, you might dishonor them no matter what. You know what I mean? Like, like there, there may be dishonor brought with, to them permanently, but then you say to yourself, like, man, does, does my truth and my justice come first or does this person having perpetual honor come first? And this is a really diff- difficult question. Yeah, I mean, it's so I, I, it's not it's not a matter of um, so. For example, when I say that an honorable man is always truthful, it means that the truth, the category of truth, is there. Right. So no matter how high honor goes, truth is with honor. So, but truth by itself can't go as far as honor, honor and truth, um, together. So the man who gets up and says, you know, who's always telling the truth, you know, I think you're ugly. I think you're stupid. I think you're, and it's usually for some reason, these truthful guys are always saying horrible things. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're, so, never, they're never truthful with compliments. <laughs> yeah, they're never truthful. <laughs> so you find that because I, who am I to disagree with Socrates? Um, <laughs> I do believe that I do believe that truth is very important, but I think that it's not just truth. I think there is. I think it's honor because it's both truth and honor. But I cl- I categorize them simply as honor because truth, because honor carries with it truth. Mm. Um, you rarely see. I don't know what makes a man honorable if he's a liar you know what i mean or if he if he deceives himself and others that's in that is no way honorable i agree yes. i don't think that they they are um um mutually exclusive but i can see a man who is always quote unquote trying to tell the truth but has no honor to him has no no restraint yes i like that him. word restraint yes you know and um and then they, that begins to eat at his honor that he begins to eat at his um at his capacity to be seen as someone respectable so yeah I, I would leave it at that no that's i think that's a good balance that um you need to have some to be an honorable truth speaking person you need a certain degree of restraint because yeah if, if you, you know, and like we said, a lot of these truth speakers are doing it in a very negative way. They're just trying to pinch people or bring them down a peg and so forth. And I think that that lacks honor and integrity because if you are speaking the truth, okay, we love you for that. But if it's done in such a way where there's no restraint and it's just to make people feel bad and sort of glorify yourself as a truth speaker, well, that's not an honorable lifestyle. You're not living a life of honor by just making people uh, making people feel bad about themselves. Last thing we're going to touch upon, are people who speak the truth destined to walk this earth alone or are we are we starting to 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 gain a respect for them? I think that in our youth we will be most likely alone because a lot of young people don't give a crap about what is true. Right. But I think that as we get older, we'll find that many people begin to gather towards us because especially if we speak the truth with love, love is very important. People say that it's not important that truth, it's, it's love is very important because if you speak in the truth and nobody is listening, then what are you speaking the truth for? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Love, love is the, um, love is the, how you say, the sugar with which we swallow the truth. And so if, 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 as we get older and we begin, we begin to be, we're seasoned as, 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 as it's often described with love and, and, and truth, 
we find that young people begin to gather towards us because they're not getting, many of them are not getting this at home. Right. Yeah. No, they're not. And they're not getting with their friends. They're not getting in it, getting it with social media. They're not getting it with, you know, films and music. And so they begin to look, and I'm saying the human being, human beings at some point begin to thirst and hunger for truth. It just happens. And so when you, when we, when we find that person and it's usually the older person, you know, it used we, to be at least <laughs> it used to be, you know, <laughs> it used to be. And so, but hopefully, hopefully those days, those days, little by little begin to return in that we find, you know, those older gentlemen and um, madams who are, who are seasoned in truth and, and, and love. And uh, we begin to, young people begin to gravitate around them. Uh, and then no, they find themselves not being alone. Yes, yes. I, I, I think, I, you know, and I think I like what you said, that if the truth is not being spoken out of love, then nobody is listening. And I, I think this is a really wise thing to take away from this, because if you're just speaking the truth to get attention, like we have a lot of attention seeker truth tellers out there, like, look how look how brave I am posting this article on, on my Facebook, exposing the corruption of the, uh, of the whatever industry or something like that. And yeah. a lot of it is not being done out of love. It's being done to, to self-glorify the self or, or to, to, to prove, like, look how righteous I am by posting this on my Facebook, you know, in my underwear on, on behind my computer. And that is not truth out of love because truth out of love, instead of posting this, like, if you really cared about fixing the problem, instead of sending this stupid article on your Facebook, it would actually be like maybe finding that person in particular and sending them a private email being like, Hey, I'm not sure if you're aware of what's going on in your company or, Hey, I'm not sure you're aware of what's going on here, but I noticed that blah, blah, blah is happening. You may want to, look into that signed anonymous, you know, like if you were really speaking truth out of love, you wouldn't need to cover your Facebook with all of this self-righteousness. You would just quietly send out some emails anonymously. And I guarantee you that 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 anonymous email is actually going to be the thing that makes the difference because when the CEO or whoever finds the anonymous email, they'll be like, oh, wow, this this person is giving me a nice, beautiful warning uh, in private and not embarrassing me. Because once you embarrass the powerful figure, then the powerful figure has no choice but to retaliate. But if you're speaking truth out of love and it's done in a very secretive way so that you give them some room to change and to grow, then you can actually start impacting the world. My good man, I think you said it well. Um, I think you said it well. There's there's too much too much uh, truth-telling, whistleblowing, uh, fact checking not that there's anything wrong with that um. no 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 it's, it's definitely it's, it definitely have it has its time and place especially yeah. when people don't listen initially right like you always so I, I think it's a situation where you always you want to initially do it in the friendly loving way like mr ceo you're polluting our lakes you know wink wink scientists yeah. you know and there's a time and place for that but then there's also a time and place where that person is clearly not listening and the truth just like you, you have to say, screw this CEO's honor at this point. You, you were trying to be nice and trying to preserve their honor out of love. And then there does come another point where it's like, well, I can't, I, unfortunately, my good man, I can't save your honor at this point. I do have to go public with this information. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. It's just, 
so a lot of people a lot of a, a lot of young people in our generation don't even begin there it starts yeah. with it starts with the in the, the knife to the throats and and they wonder why it's you know they're not getting any positive responses i mean one of the things that i find is that you know as as a foreigner looking into looking into the united states of america and i love this country by the way hopefully um working on becoming a citizen but look, looking in it as a foreigner towards this country is that I find that there is very little respect for anybody. Nobody respects anybody. Nobody cares for anybody, really. I mean, it's very incredible. And so you find that everything's a knife fight. Yes, you know? it is. It is. Everything's, uh, I mean, even friends on Facebook are at each other's throats over something as um, silly as, you know, um, you know. iPhone versus Android. I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> no, I, 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 I am not kidding you, my friends. I've seen knife fights over something as trivial as that because one person thought that their truth about how many gigabytes or whatever this phone could hold or the, 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 the quality of the camera or something like that. And I'm like, is this really like, is this truth? Is the, is the number of pixels in your camera worth dishonoring somebody? Yeah, that's the thing, you know, and, and respect goes a long way. You may never can change somebody's mind, but you can win the person. And so that's a very interesting thing, very, very different thing. Yes. You may never change their mind, but you can win them to your side. I love in that. that you, you, make, you, make, you make friends for yourself, you know? Yes. And I find that, you know, I've never been in an argument with anybody and have them say, you know what, Kenny, you're absolutely right. And I'm, 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 changing, my, I'm changing my ideas and my position on this. <laughs> that's never happened, you know? <laughs> that doesn't happen. I mean, it could be that I'm just not a good debater. No, no, no. But it's not it that. Just, <laughs> it's it not that, my doesn't friend. Happen, you know? It's not that. People, people are one. I mean, people are, are one by not by intellectual arguments and not by not by right arguments not even right sounding arguments people are won by love and kindness and generosity people are won by he says make make friends make friends for yourself through means of unrighteous mammon you for, you we forget that you know if we really want to change this world it's actually loving those people that we absolutely disagree with mm. it's 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 winning them to our side through kindness it's it's respect it's having them over for dinner and and being a human being smoking a cigar with them having a, a glass of scotch with them find out what their interests are laugh with them talk about their children you know what i mean like it's not always about war it's not about war you know i mean war is there's a time for war but it's not it's not about that in the beginning it's 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 much it's much different and much simpler Absolutely, Kenny. Um, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, my good man. Thank you so much for having me. This concludes the 53rd episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.